Hi, welcome to DevSec Lead. I'm your host, Wilson Bautista Jr. On this episode, I'm talking to Graham Westbrook. He's a good friend of mine, just met this year at InfoSec World, and after a few times talking on the phone, definitely had to get him on the show. This was a great conversation. Hope you enjoy. Okay, Director of Intelligence and Content at Living Security. Thanks for coming on the show. Absolutely glad to be here. Yeah, so Living Security, tell me, tell me what that's about. Yeah, so Living Security is a B2B uh, cybersecurity startup out of Austin, Texas, uh, where we're, we're homing in on security awareness and immersive experiences uh, really to transform traditional security culture uh, and, and try to reduce human risk uh, across the enterprise. Um, my role is kind of like a, a professional synthesist. It's like putting the pieces together from uh, emerging threats, technologies, vulnerabilities, and turning that into powerful, relevant training content for uh, end users. So think screenplays, white papers, webinars, threat updates, things like that. Okay, great, great. So how did how did you get there? I mean, where where's your cybersecurity story begin? Um, I mean, you went from somewhere to director where you are right now and doing these incredible things. Um, tell me about that. Yeah. Yeah. I like to say I'm a, a cybersecurity analyst by trade, intelligence analyst by training. So I went to school for uh, national security intelligence analysis uh, in Russian, uh, ended up with a defense contractor for a few years doing um, some web vulnerability scanning. Then I started getting into cybersecurity auditing. And, and from there, it was just kind of the back door into cybersecurity. There's obviously so much uh, opportunity. And I found a way to merge the uh, kind of intelligence background of mine into this, this new field uh, in the form of cyber threat intelligence. Uh, and so from there, I transitioned over into uh, healthcare, where I, I led the threat intel and security awareness um, programs at Geisinger which is a health system in Pennsylvania and in New Jersey. And then after a few years there, I, I uh, transitioned into the, the startup world. And since then, it's been really heavy into B2B uh, SaaS content and still falling back on all that intelligence uh, training uh, and a few certifications here and there. But uh, Yeah, yeah. What certifications yeah. do you have? I have the Security Plus and Certified Ethical Hacker. Um, I think I've just been dragging my feet on CISSP, but it's only a matter of time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's uh, they say it's the gold standard. Anyways, the um, next question I have here is uh, you specialize in intelligence. And from your point of view, and at least from, well, let me tell you my point of view, is that people get, people get this mixed up. I mean, y- you have some formal training in intelligence, but a lot of people don't. Um, when I think intelligence, I think military intelligence. And then when we talk to cybersecurity professionals that don't have any kind of military background um, and they're thinking intelligence, they're thinking like cyber threat intelligence. What do you what do you think in your point of view? What are some of the challenges that you're seeing in our community in regards to this? Yeah, you bring up a really good point about clarifying what intelligence is in the first place. I think the most classic definition is uh, reducing uncertainty in decision making. Um, there's been some some new kind of research bubbling up that that says it's more like assessing uncertainty in decision making. But nonetheless, uh, the whole point is to 
uh, help policymakers um, traditionally in the, the, the military and the DOD, but most recently in, in business um, settings and contexts to make better decisions. And what, what I mean by better decisions is, is really that uh, oftentimes we see people make assumption-driven and biased uh, decisions based on either faulty or incomplete yeah, yeah. information. Right. And, and so it's all about um, trying to help people understand uh, what's going on in the mind um, so that we can uh, kind of be honest about our own mental assumptions and really start to uh, influence desired outcomes. So um, I think in terms of challenges, I see, I see us needing to uh, push past the obstacle of like um, gut instinct, right? We need to be more empirical, uh, science-based, data-driven, um, and proven. And so I think intelligence will begin to integrate with, with data science. Um, and this is really a, a new field uh, that Google is pioneering with uh, Kazi uh, Kazirkov mm-hmm. at the helm um, called decision intelligence. It's all about how can we improve um, human decision performance by uh, using applied statistics and understanding that in the context of uh, business needs um, and so- social and psychological realities. Um, and I mean, the, the idea of making better decisions isn't new. Um, it's just everyone makes decisions either like based on explicit or implicit kind of assumptions, like I said. And it's increasingly a topic of interest because of how many um, psychological and, and technological advances we've made in recent years um, to be able to get some actionable insight and improve so outcomes. let's talk about this a little bit you 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 say that we're, we need to get away from using our gut instinct and that we're moving towards a more applied statistic analysis of of data multiple streams of data of uh, intelligence per se um, if we let artificial intelligence do this for us don't you think we're we're gonna miss a few things um it's dictating for us what to decide yeah i mean so that's a good point uh, i think where i i would kind of propose we go is is there's um there's a a proposition called uh human in the loop systems where we make better decisions in tandem with ai and machine learning um mm-hmm. And we can do that in such a way where uh, we can utilize the best of computers and, and the best of humans. Like, um, obviously, computers are, 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 um, are really great at processing a lot of information very quickly, but they're not good at complex processing, as we see you know, with uh, cognitive psychology. And uh, the brain... Um, yeah, it's, it's just, it's not just ones and zeros. Brains aren't like meat computers, if you want to think like that. And so I think at this intersection is the best uh, of both worlds. Meat computers. That's a pretty good term. I've never heard that one before. <laughs> that's good. Yeah. You know, we, we have to find some creative ways to, to talk about these things. No, oh, that's great. I'm probably gonna have to use that a little bit more. <laughs> meat computers or brains are meat computers. So are not just me computer <laughs> are not just <laughs> oh my gosh that's right. okay so so a lot of people um, you know a lot of people that don't know anything about AI are saying you know these machines are 
are learning things and artificial intelligence and these computers are eventually going to take our job. But I think you brought up a good point. A lot of data scientists that at least I've been talking to and, and reading on social media are saying, hey, we need to not think of it like that. We're not going to have, hopefully, never have a Skynet incident uh-huh. where Terminators are coming around and, uh-huh. and shooting people up. But we actually need to leverage technology to help our decision making. And it's really applicable to uh, cybersecurity. Um, what do you think about that? I mean, I, I think we're always dealing with uncertainty, right? So we're always looking for evidence and doing nothing isn't an option. And so when we're looking at statistics in AI, what it's traditionally been is overly heavy on the the math side of things, and it, it ends up being stuck in a silo. And so what I mean by applied machine learning and applied statistics, and even reformed statistics, as I've heard some people talk about it, is that um, it's helping us reason, not reasoning for us. It's helping us to make sense of the world, and that's only going to be done when we think about it like uh, cooking with great ingredients. Um, I've heard uh, some people talk about so using data and using these machine learning algorithms to create the best um, possible outcomes, rather than focusing on um, trying too hard to make something mathematically proven, which is often impossible, or just going what I what I said earlier on gut instinct or implicit assumptions about the world and and often people are doing this without realizing that they're doing it right and Mm -hmm. so it's going Mm -hmm. straight from inputting information uh to making a decision that that's uh likely going to be a little bit um you know off center yeah yeah absolutely we're we're a while away from it and i think that yeah, we're definitely a while a while away from having the machines telling us everything. But in the meantime, and as we get technology to be better, I, I went to InfoSec World with you um, just this past year, mm-hmm. and you had discussed this topic called the threshing floor. And the presentation is called The Threshing Floor, an Intelligence Analyst Approach to Transforming Raw Data into actionable insight. Now we don't have AI, we don't have machine learning. You know, every, every everybody doesn't have it. So I think this would be a good a good topic, or at least a good segue into how we could get to more quantitative or qualitative approaches to making decisions. Um, is that where you're trying to go with this presentation? Yeah, absolutely. I, I've given the talk a couple times now. Yeah, mm-hmm. one, once in Orlando, and again at uh, Rocky Mountain InfoSecCon in Denver. Um, but it's really a proposed solution to the problem, like I said, of, of assumption-based uh, decision-making and faulty mental models. Uh, we're all taught really one mental model growing up through our current education system of rote memorization, test, and forget. And it really just makes us excellent sheep, right? So I created uh, this mental model called the threshing floor to um, counter this destructive um, psychology and advocate for human-in-the-loop systems, um, which are often neglected. And so the threshing floor is, is the think about it like the place in the mind where we sift information. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the word judgment, when you look into the etymology of it, actually means to sift or separate, right? And so we can learn in the mind to separate wheat from chaff, to separate clarity from noise. Um, and the gist is that it is a tool um, to help people understand the lens through which they interpret the world learn how they sift information, learn how to do it better, and start to see and think clearly enough to yield um, actionable insight. And so I know it's a mouthful, but 
it's you know fundamentally changed the way that I think, live, um, and experience the world, right? And what does it really mean to choose? It's it's like orienting oneself in a specific direction. You're making choices to t- tack um, in, in in a specific direction. Um, Maybe you can think about it like sailing. There's this term called velocity made good, which is not necessarily the straightest route, but you're continuing to choose uh, where uh, the next correct tack is uh, en route to a destination. I'm going to be honest with you, man. This is really heady and really uh, philosophical stuff you got. You know, I I think you said that you were like a philo- philosophical ma- uh, philosophy major. <laughs> well, I mean, in addition to to doing cybersecurity, yeah, I, I I'm a creative at heart, and, and it, it I think it comes out in, in what I do: musicianship, storytelling, uh, philosophizing. You know, amateur psychology. You know, I, I feel like I need a, a pipe in my hand while I'm talking about this. But yeah, at the um, at the hazard of making it a bit too heady, it, it's really advanced psychology for cybersecurity. You know, we, we need to emphasize the the human element of things so that that we don't neglect them or overemphasize technology. Mm-hmm. So, like, give me an example of how we could get here. Like, I, I mean, I'm looking at uh, I'm looking at blurry lens, unsifted data equals bad decisions. What is what does that mean exactly? Yeah, so what I mean by lens is um, the way that we see and perceive. Uh, And then when I talk about how we sift, it's the way that we think, and it's more in line with cognition. So when when we perceive, um, you can think about like making decisions in in four steps. So uh, sensing, um, perceiving, orienting, and choosing. Um, S-P-O-C there. It's very similar to like the OODA loop, if if you've Mm -hmm. heard of that before. Observe. Yeah orient, decide, act. And so um, we're interpreting uh, a ton of information uh, and content from around us when we, we're, we're walking through a park, when we're, uh, uh, you know, looking at a, a phishing email. Like there's just so much to take in. And in the mind, it's not just a straight linear, here's what I'm supposed to do, right? Like there has to be a way that we're, we're going to um, sift this in, in a way that um, starts to get like more clarity into what we need to do with that information. So we, we, we sense what's going on around us. Um, we start to categorize that information in our brains, often without knowing it. Uh, and then we start to say, okay, what can I hone in, hone in on? What can I orient to? Um, how can I look at this, um, extract the pieces of information I I need and ignore the things that I don't, right? The fastest way to process information is to ignore it. And so ignoring a lot of that noise helps us hone in on the, the information and the, the, the gold that we really do need to make those decisions. Hopefully that, how that's do you know starting what, to make sense. Yeah. yeah, how do you know what noise is and, and what you need to target? Yeah, that's a, great, that's a great question. And for me, the way I do that is the way I've been trained as an intelligence analyst. And so I, I'm constantly spinning the intelligence analysis life cycle in my mind. So it's collection, processing, uh, analyzing, producing. And so what I mean is like, you start with this really high layer of just raw data. And as you're spinning this cycle, as you're starting to think through what do I need, asking the right questions, um, you are sort of by default eliminating, eliminating a lot of that 
what I'm calling noise here and starting to get closer and closer to uh, the information that you actually need. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So from an, an analyst point of view, I, I think I understand what you're saying, right? Uh, and I think that anybody that does intelligence work will understand what you're saying. The, um, the next challenge, I guess, would be like, you know, our executives or people that want to move into these middle management, senior management positions to be looking at all of this information and trying to sift out what's noise and what is, you know, the information that you need to make a decision. So what are some of the things that you see at each level that people could actually think of, you know, targeting? This is what I should be looking for at that next step in my career as far as um, holistically a cybersecurity program or, a, you know, a threat intelligence monitoring position or a program. Yeah, or yeah. Program. Well, um, so my answer is kind of twofold here. First of all, there's the way people think is normally either what they call causal or effectual. And the causal thinking is saying, if, then. And that's what I mean by like taking in this information before I make a decision and bringing it down to like, okay, now I need to do this. Uh, effectual thinking is something more similar to the way startups make decisions, which is you do something, you see how someone reacts to it, and then you either pivot or persevere based on how people perceive it. So just from that perspective, we can see like, I think the way people can use this threshing floor mental model is with causal thinking, they can say, okay, I'm going to take it through this process and then I'm going to try to make the best decision I can with the information I've sifted. Or we can take something like reflective journaling, which is a very practical um, you know, manifestation of the same kind of thinking, but with that effectual um, you know, way of looking at the world. So you're, you're going to just do what you normally do, right? Make decisions. You don't have to take it through any kind of process. But after those decisions have been made, write them down, right? Like uh, there's a saying that you only learn from this, the mistakes that you learn from, right? And, and this is true of decision making. Like we only learn if we actually are going back, reflecting on these things, taking out those nuggets, um, and then starting to change or, or or stick with the things that are working. And so journaling out mm -hmm. important decisions and the thought processes behind them may yield valuable insight for, for future reference. Um, and this comes directly from uh, Shane Parrish at the Farnham Street blog, who's just an awesome resource for mental modeling and better decision making in uh, the workplace that I, I highly recommend. So how do we get leaders on board with this idea? How do we, I mean, mm -hmm. what you're, what you're proposing is, I mean, is really, is really a lot different than um, people are, people are taught the people are taught to, you know, run the hamster wheel and mm -hmm. this is the way that you do it. And if it's, it, it's a very, if then environment, how do we get people yeah. to think like this? Yeah. Well, first of all, we have to look at the problem. I think, the problem right now is an over overemphasis on behavior, at least in terms of humans, or it's an overemphasis on technology. And what I'm saying is, is identity precedes activity, meaning who we are and what we think happens before what we do, right? And so what I'm trying to say is whatever is going on in the mind, we need to refine. And so I think the way that we can get leaders on board with this idea is to help them see security as a verb. 
it's something it's something we choose to do. Um, and if we get further and further away from this overemphasis on behavior, so that we don't keep repeating mistakes of um, a, a defunct science back in the 1920s called behaviorism, we're going to start seeing like the successes of modern cognitive psychology show that understanding our minds um, will ultimately help us uh, to to make uh, better decisions and ultimately to just be more secure and safer organizations. Uh, I think people get a little intimidated saying like, I feel like I, I don't know what to do. I feel like I, I can't see red flags in my organization or I, I don't really understand um, cybersecurity all that well. And what I'm proposing is we start to say like, at the core of who we are, we're human. Like we already care about safety. We already care about locking our front doors. We care about locking our cars. And we, when we can help people to say, you already care about safety, cybersecurity is just another part of that, that we can, we can say like, um, and we can help them understand in like story and metaphor. Um, and that's what we do at Living Security. Like we do uh, physical escape rooms and online escape rooms, which is all about like, bringing someone through a narrative, like playing a game or being together outside of your cubes with a team and like experiencing something in immersion. And it sticks, man, like cognitive habits uh, break down. People start to like learn um, what, what red flags look like tangibly, right? And, and they naturally learn how to make better decisions. So that, that's what I mean. I think the alternatives are too costly. You know, there's a hard cost of uh, money um, that like if we neglect the human element that we're just going to keep spinning this wheel of like human error, you know, and I think people can be the best sensors with training, uh, but they're often treated like the weakest links in the chain. So there's a hard cost and there's obviously a soft cost to reputation too. So, um, you know, damage to the, the business um, or damage to, um, the reputation in the news. So looking at the problem, looking at the costs, and then starting to think about um, the way real people think, I think that's, uh, I think that's getting us closer to um, the right answer. So you talked about training. Uh, are you like the only one that's talking like this or are there are others talking like this? And do they have anything that the listeners could you know, possibly download and read themselves if they're interested in this topic. Yeah, um, definitely not the only person uh, talking about it. So there's uh, <laughs> there's Michael uh, Mabusin, who some people call the decision-making Jedi. He's great for looking into statistics and using base rates, which is like how often or the average of something happening in, in reality. Like I said, there's uh, Cassie Kazirkov from, from Google. She's their chief decision scientist and she's great. Uh, the Farnham, Farnham Street blog, um, anything by uh, uh, Daniel Kahneman and Amos Tversky, like they're highly, highly sought after um, for, you know, real world applications of uh, decisions. Uh, and then I would say maybe like the unschool of disruptive design is a really, is a really good one. Um, so this helps people to understand systems. It's all about systems thinking. Um, and Layla uh, Akaraglu, I think, um, is the one who heads that up. And it's all about like paradigm shift. It, it's taking what we normally do and we do just kind of out of 
um, gut instinct, like I said, and, and kind of stepping back, zooming out and saying, is this the right way? What are the, you know, what are the costs of, of doing this without thinking about it, of doing this without objectively saying, is this the, the best way to do things? Um, and she ends up talking about, you know, economics and uh, reusability and um, it's, it's really great. So those are just a, a few examples. Brother, this has been an amazing conversation. I, I really can't, I can't really express how uh, deep your knowledge goes in regards to this. I, I had no clue. <laughs> Thank you so much. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. I'm just, I'm super passionate about this, and I think that's, um, you know, in in the DevSec lead um, ecosystem you're building here. I think this element of like us looking into the future and also being leaders to help us uh, mentor other people and, and help get there. Like I, I really want to be a part of that. So I'm appreciative um, that you let me on the show. No, thank you so much. I, you know, again, I'm super duper impressed and I'm sure that everybody else that's listening is pretty much flabbergasted as well. So thanks very much for coming on the show and we'll definitely hear from you soon. Of course. Cheers. Thanks. Cheers. I don't know about you, but this is what DevSec Lead is all about. Challenging the status quo and putting in perspective things that were never there in the first place. So, hope you enjoyed this episode. Do me a favor, www.devseclead.com. Leave us a comment. Let me know what you want to talk about next and, you know, spread the word. Talk to you all later.